Hey everyone, welcome back to the Access Points Podcast. Uh, and today, this is the second episode of a series that we call Change Management. Now in this episode, Davin talks about once you determine that you have the need to require change, how do you execute on that? And he makes four points I want you to look for. Those are communication feedback, engagement of stakeholders, defining the plan, and being consistent. I think you're going to enjoy this. Soak it in. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Access Points Podcast. I am Tim Elliott, the Chief Executive Officer of Access eForms. And today, I have my illustrious Chief Operating Officer, Davin Marceau of Access, and uh, we're continuing on a, a theme of uh, about change. I think we said capital C change is what we we're looking at. Capital C change. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I noticed that you almost tripped up. You almost introduced introduced yourself as a chief operating officer because you're so used to. I would never. I would never do that. But I did catch myself because yeah. I am uh, the last operational person you would ever want to listen to in your life. <laughs> I can assure you, we would have recut that <laughs> if had Tim called himself if, the chief you, operating officer. If you hear. Anything out of my mouth that deals with operations or executing on things, just block those from your brain and know that I have no idea what I'm talking about. You are absolutely right on that. Wow, but I, that was that was kind of stern. Yeah, this is going to be a cool podcast, though. Yeah, I you think know, it'll be good. Uh, it, it's it'll be interesting segueing from or transitioning from your you know kind of you know big mind kind of stuff about why we need to change and and when we need to change and go into what we're going to cover today, and that's that's the how we change, right? And there's a million different ways for our listeners. Um, if you've been to business school or if you listen to podcasts or read books, you're going to come across a million different solutions for how to effectively manage change across your organization. What we're going to talk about today is, is the access flare. This is the access version um, of, of how we help promote and drive and measure change across access eForms. So Wanted to put that one out there today. And again, happy to get feedback for how you guys do it as well. But just wanted to throw that out there that this is how we do it here at right. Access. Yeah, that doesn't always make it completely right or completely wrong, but it gives you some insight in the way we think about it and how we do what we do yeah, is, and is, why. Is the operations guy that likes to act decisively, I would disagree and say that this is the way, right? <laughs> and our is. listeners, you guys can do it wrong if you want. We're not here to judge you. This is just how we do it right at Access. Welcome to my life. Yes, sir. Okay, so first one, right? Going back to the first one, we we went with that gut instinct. We confirmed the need for it. So now it's time to roll out a change, right? And and we're not gonna, you know, we'll just say arbitrary change across across a certain a certain um, department in an organization. So the first way that we do it is we openly and actively communicate our our desired need for change, right? And you and I do that. I think the the first step for that, Tim, is you and I communicate back and forth about right. it. And you know, we're so different in the way that we think about it that we use each other as that first sounding board before it goes to the rest of the executive team, you and I communicate what we think this is and what we think it can do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the worst thing we can do is every idea we have, throw that out to the team because then they feel like they're, and I used to do that and that was a bad on my part. Every time I'd have an idea, I'd get the team together and throw it out at them. And so they would leave the meeting thinking that, Oh, we're supposed to do something with this. And really I'm just trying to get feedback and seeing, should we do anything? So create a lot, created a lot of confusion back in the day that probably wasn't needed. So that's one of the reasons that when there's the need for change, or we think there's a need for change, you and I sit down and talk through it first. Well, and that applies to, you know, for our listeners, no matter what level of leadership you happen to sit at, like you can have a person, 
right? And it can be a colleague, it can be a mentor, it can be a friend, it can be a spouse, it can be anybody just to bounce your ideas off of to make sure that they're, they're passing through some sort of filter before you start talking to the world or the company at large about it. Yeah, because it's, you know, what you've built in your mind is, and I know I do this, is all the possibilities. And I've thought about some roadblocks, but the way my brain works is I think I can, I can blow through any roadblock, right? Whereas you look at those and go, man, that thing's concrete, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's just a no non-starter. And it may blow my idea up because I can't do that, but thank goodness. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a caveat to this and really the next step of it too, is to make sure that you set your ego aside. You, you check that thing at the door because otherwise why communicate? If you really genuinely think that this is the best thing ever and, and you know that it's going to be number one, then A, you're probably wrong. And B, why even pass it by anybody else? You right. know? And, and you've, you've lost your way on effective change management before you've even started anyway. And I think the way to, one of the ways to do that, and Cody, I think read something once at one time and he taught us this and let, let the idea be, have the ego, right? Let the idea be the win. It's not the person that came up with it necessarily. So when we do that, the idea stands on its own and it's not someone throwing their credibility behind the idea. Let the idea stand on its own. Let the idea be the winner. Yeah. I like that a lot. And you know, it's, I, I think that helps change permeate throughout an organization too. And we'll get to that a little bit later on, but I really like the idea of you as the person that's promoting it as more the guide right. than, the, than the hero of the journey. Right. 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 You have to. So Davin, why don't you go into some areas uh, of how we've done things in the past and tell us how we've progressed through executing on that change that we feel like needs to have happen. Okay. So for, first of all, you know, I come to you, Hey Tim, I have an idea. Um, here's what I think that we need to do. You and I bounce, bounce back and forth. And then the next phase of that is going to be the engagement of, of our stakeholders, of, of our champions, right? Because here's one of the things that we know, Tim, is that we at our level think we know all of the benefits and the drawbacks and the consequences of a particular change. But one thing that we know for certain is that we don't, you know, we're viewing it from our ivory tower as it were. Right. Yep. And we've learned the hard way many, many times that what we think is executable and what is actually executable are two completely different things. Yeah. Right. Or at least, at least what we had in mind of how to execute it. Yeah, absolutely. May completely be wrong. Well, and, and you, you have to know that going in. Right. And, that's why engaging your stakeholders and, and first and foremost for us, it's, it's the rest of the executive team, right? It's, it's Scott, it's David, it's, it's uh, Mike and making sure that, that we really get their, their feedback, but then subsequently we're capturing their buy-in, right? And you also want to make sure that you go probably at least one or two levels deeper than that. And whether it's via your, your executive team or whether you are involving the people that you want to be the champions, because somebody's going to have to see this thing through to execution. And it's not going to be me and it's not going to be you. I can guide it. You can guide it and oversee it, but we're never going to be the ones to carry a departmental level change through to fruition and to execution. And one thing I can add to that, that we've done in the past is we've tried to do that in the past, but we had people on the executive team that didn't completely buy into it and would actually go to their teams and say, Hey, I'm supposed to talk to you this about this. I think it's a really stupid idea which it's dead in the first mm-hmm. place. So having people on your executive team that number one, buy into it or people you can trust that if they've got an issue with it, that they'll say they have an issue with it or they don't think it'll work. And here's why. But if the whole executive team agrees, this is something we need to look into, make sure that you have those people on your team that will actually go do that. And we, I'm, I'm just saying that I've experience. We've had lots of great things that happen, 
uh, that could have happened that were demor- been demoralized um, by the different people in the organization that were trying to make themselves look good or afraid of the risk or didn't like the idea in the first place, but had a lot of um, false yeses ah. and uh, turned out to be not, not such a great situation. So anyway, that was kind of a side note. No, you're, you're right though. But even with the right team, you'd better make sure that that engagement of your stakeholders and, and your change agents or your champions is bi-directional. Yeah. You'd better ask them to poke holes in your plan. Yeah. Because if not, I think you're, you're casting down those edicts from the ivory tower. Right. And again, going back to the, the fact that you, there's elements of the day-to-day operations and execution that you, you're just not completely privy to. And so allow them to help you shape and evolve this proposed change to something that is actually doable at the ground level. Yep. I agree. And I'll add this too. One of the things that gives us credibility with our people now has been consistency. You know, we've always been consistent in the last these two years that this is how we go about doing things. And this is the, this is the model we go by. We don't really have a graph or anything out there, but this is how we do things. And we do at, we'll ask your opinion. We do want you to shoot holes in it. And so I think when they see consistency, they learn to have trust and they buy into not necessarily the idea, but the, the model of what we're trying to accomplish. And that way we get really true feedback and not a bunch of yes people that are trying to tell us what we think, what they think we want to hear. Yeah. It's a really good point. And really it's the difference between a culture of exactly what you're talking about, a culture of change and a culture of a bi-directional communication versus a value that you happen to have plastered on your wall somewhere. Right. right. Is, you know, and they need to see that over time because we've, we've been front level employees and we know that sometimes it's scary. Oftentimes it's scary to go to your boss and be like, Hey, I think you're wrong. I, I think that even though the CEO wants this done, we need to do it this way actually, or maybe we don't need to do it at all because we're worried that that's going to put our jobs at stake. It's going to put our jobs at, at risk and our livelihoods at stake. And so you'd better practice it over time because if not, then all you're going to get to your point is a whole bunch of counterfeit yeses yep. and a whole bunch of people who are just, you know, plowing along every single day. Yep. So that's number two is we've, you and I have, we've communicated. We think we have something that's, that's good. We've communicated with the stakeholders. We've helped them evolve and shape the plan a little bit, but this is still concept. Now we have to take this thing through to an actual plan. And that's number three is, is the definition of the plan, helping you come up with a clear construct of, of what it is that that you're trying to do, but more importantly, the how and the who and the why of it as well. And there are a million different techniques out there. There's a million different, you know, documents and philosophies. And, And one thing that we've really used and leveraged consistently over the last three years, I think has been the impact filter. Right. And it's a way for me or you or anybody else who comes up with a plan to be able to clearly define what it is, but the, the, the success criteria, what, what's good if we do it, what's bad if we don't do it, but then how we're going to get it done on that right-hand side and who's going to be the ones to carry it through to execution. And it's absolutely driven monumental change in the way that we approach change management and how we do it here at access. Would you agree? I would. And, and the great thing about it is, and, and once again, I have to give credit to Dan Sullivan for that is, you know, that one document when it's done by whoever has the idea or whatever they want to meet about or whatever, but everyone, no matter how you think, whether you're an idea person, you're an executing person, whether you're 
you know, a research type person, whatever it is, you look at that document and you see something in there that you need to help you be a part of that decision. Right. So for me, it's here's, here's the plan. Here's what we want to do. But it also has into the why. And you know, it, little things like, what does this look like when it's over, when it's done, if it's a successful project, what does it look like? Um, and then, you know, you really are on that right side of here's all the things that's going to have happen for this to be successful and names next to each one of those areas. Whereas I don't pay attention to that, but the other side's important to me, but it truly is the document that everyone can share and get on the same page with no matter where you are in the, in, in the, in the company. And it's a, Good point in time to talk about the how this process is iterative, right? Is you always have to be open to the idea of scrapping this proposed change. So far at level one of communication between me and you, communication between us and the executive team and the stakeholders, and then even at the impact filter. As we roll this thing out with the team and and the ones that are going to be carrying this through, we've had this happen countless times where at the end of the impact filter and at the end of that meeting, we come to the conclusion that this needs to get scrapped. Yep. And so the communication and the asking, the continuous egoless asking of, if, is this a good idea, is what's going to ultimately carry this thing through to successful execution. And if you really want to determine if, if this process is successful or not, and one of the ways you can tell if it's successful is if you do get some of those that you get down with Impact Filter and the group decides that this is not a good plan. Yeah. That means success. You've mm-hmm. done everything right. We've all engaged. We've all determined that this not sure the risk is worth the reward on this one and you scrap it. And that's boy, we walk away from that went good. Well, I'm so that was like, everything worked exactly like it was supposed to just because you don't do what the idea was doesn't mean it's not successful. Right. And doing this consistently is going to prevent episode one of this from needing to happen. Right. Right. Of, of the, Oh goodness, we got this wrong because we didn't ask those questions of ourselves. Now we're back at having to prompt the need for change again. Right. right. And you know, change is inevitable, but you want to delay that process as much as possible because change is expensive right. in terms of hard, hard and soft dollars. And, and what I've been guilty of in the past is having too many ideas and not having enough of these things behind it. And I got frustrated with things never happening like I wanted them to. Um, so to be able to cue in on the big ones, the ones that are most important, being able to go through this process, one, two, three of what you just mentioned, and at the end decide if is it, is it a good way to go or is it not? We should scrap the whole thing. That's Those are big. If you don't get anything else out of this podcast, know that you know a, a failure, meaning we didn't even start the pro- process or didn't even start the project because it wasn't going to be worth it, is a success. It's not a failure. Absolutely. Important to understand that. Yeah, for sure. And th- that's a really good point of why like something like an impact filter, the definition of the plan is so important because I'm not inside of your head. Scott and team is not inside of my head. And this provides you the mechanism f- to get your thought out and onto an executable piece of paper. And so people can clearly understand your thought your thought process, but also what you think success looks like, right? And and then they're not having to ask questions. They're not having to fill in gaps. Everything is filled in as a result of the plan. Right. You know, and you know, and I say that and the other side of this is be careful with analysis paralysis. Yeah. Be careful with over analyzing and trying to over plan. You know, we say a lot of times you you build it as you fly it. And you know, a, a plan that's that's solid and executed now and can be pivoted and changed over time is better than trying to wait for a perfect plan because yeah. there's no such thing. And, and that and that's an important part. And that's 
you know, I, I don't know how you teach it, but there has to be a certain point. It's kind of like when we develop software. If you wait until it's perfect, you'll never sell it, right? You'll never get in the market. Um, it's the same way with the plan. If you wait until it's perfect, you're going to get so deep into the script that if one thing goes wrong, it throws the whole thing into a tailspin. So, you know, that's, that's one of the questions I would have for you, and you may be able to share that or, or not, but, you know, what is that right amount of information and detail without going too far? What is that? What does that look like? And how do you, how do you gauge that? There, there's an art behind it. And a lot of it is, is just over time, you, you, you're able to ask yourself is, is the, is the curator of this plan is do the people have enough information to carry it forward to some level of execution, maybe not perfect execution. And that's where, you know, the, the refinement of the plan, which we'll talk about here in a minute comes into play and the ability to put metrics in place comes into play is because let's start working on this now and let's, let's get it in place. And then we can change it over time because one of the things that's so important about change management, Tim, is that it's, it's flexible and it's, and it's always changing. And if you're not waiting for the perfect plan, then you're open to this idea that change is dynamic right. and it's, and, it, and it's, and it's ever present and you're able to slowly or quickly evolve and refine the plan and take it forward rather than waiting for the perfect time for the perfect plan to roll itself out. Because to your point, if you've waited that long, then you've lost the initiative. You've lost the time. And probably that dynamic of time is now against you because you had a specific time to roll out this form, for example, you know, the, the, the COVID consent form, you know, and as a company, we waited for the perfect time with the perfect plan and then we rolled it out too late and right. it was, it was dead. Yep. So, you know, a lot of it is just repetition and pain from doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you learn. You know, it's, we, we talk about that a lot is that's the difference in knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. You know, knowledge is somebody told me this and wisdom is, I fail several times and figure out why I don't want to do this anymore this way. Um, but, but something else you said in there is really important. And, and that is, you know, in the middle of that change in the middle of it, one of the things I think has been a, a huge takeaway for me is how many times we got in the middle of a project and something pops its head. We, in other words, we, we scrape the top of the soil off enough to find some gym, some other opportunity out there that was even 10 times bigger than the one that you were first going after. And that's where you have to stop and go, wow, we didn't even realize this was a, a problem or B an opportunity or C whatever, right. Is being able to see that. And then you have to make another determination. Uh, are we going to continue on the path that we're on now and finish this thing? Or is this thing so big, we're going to pause it and jump over here on this. And that's where I know that throws you for a loop. Um, but also when you have limited resources, you can only do so much. And if you see an opportunity that's it's, it's heads come from the soil. You got to jump on it. At least as from my head, you have to jump on it. But that's once again, you have to go through the process again and saying, all right, what is this opportunity? Is this worth this? What's the risk of that? What's the risk of us stopping this other project? And, and there's lots of things. That's a whole nother podcast of what does it do the psyche of your people to stop and start? Um, what does it do with you know the momentum you have as an organization to stop and start? Um, you know, I was really bad in the past with working with engineering about seeing things that customers wanted and stopping everything we're doing to put that in and, and get that so we can make a couple of sales. And man, it just, it was a really bad thing. So I threw the engineering department, you know, into a tizzy constantly where they really never were able to keep their momentum. Right. And I think a lot of it is, is it wholesale changers that evolution of the original, original change. And I think that's what we've seen a lot is, you know, we don't make as many 
like right hand turns as we used to. We make a lot of pivots based on the original plan. And I think if you're able to articulate, I don't want to say sell it that way, but if you can articulate it to your people that way, then they just kind of view it as a continuous process of getting better, right? right. You go back to the culture, a culture of change, a culture of growth, a culture of of communication. And if you have those those things in place, then I think you're going to be fine. And you're not going to throw your people for as big of a loop if you're like, hey, we're halfway through this big project, wham, stop. Here's another impact filter to start on a new project. Right. Because people want to see the the fruits of their labor. They, they want they want to see their hard effort and work and dedication turn into something. Right. Right. And you know, you basically just encapsulated the the fourth part of that, which was, you know, measure the change. Yep. And it's a whole different podcast, but that's why objectives and key results are so important because they're dynamic, because they're flexible and because they're open and subject to just being changed halfway through a quarter. You know, that's why we put those things like OKRs in place. And that's why we put metrics in place is because we are constantly challenging the notion again of, is this a good plan? And even, even after we have phase one of it in place, we're still asking the questions because we want to know, we want to confirm or deny every step of the way of, is this a good plan? Is this going to make us money? Is this going to reduce overhead? And is this going to make us a better company? Going back to those three things that you brought up in the first podcast. And so we use those, um, you know, those mechanisms to either confirm or deny whether the change was effective. Let me ask you this, you know, just looking at our organization and a lot of organizations that you've seen from the outside, putting these things in place and showing consistency. One of the things I've seen with our group and our team is, you know, we don't seem to fight change like we used to. The culture here has changed so much in that people not only accept change, but they get excited about change. And it's not about changing. They don't get excited about changing for the fact of changing, but they get excited about the change that can make us better, make us more money, you know, makes more profitable, make the product better, um, you know, make our team work more efficiently. The little things like, you know, we've been working for, gosh, four years on, looking at strength finder. And I know we have the, mm -hmm. a, a, you know, we try to put that in place and Jenny's got that going and, and we're starting to see some real, really great change from really harping those principles of helping un people understand themselves based on their strengths of why they do what they do. But little things like that's, that's a big project. That's something we put in place four years ago and it's just now people are starting to get it and understand it. And so it changes the culture and it changes people's lives for the better. And it makes them better people, makes them more efficient, makes them better employees, makes them better, makes better teammates. Um, you know, all those things. So those are things I think that we're starting to see from the culture of the organization that people are accepting of change now and get excited about change probably because it's not coming at them every day. Well, and people at the end of the day want to do stuff that matters. They do. They want their work and their efforts to mean something at the end of the day. And it's all relative, right? But they want to do stuff that, that again, is, is helping us impact the lives of, of healthcare patients, right? And so the difference between a company like us that has the culture of, of change and the acceptance of change is going back to one and two is communication and engagement, right? Is we want their feedback. We want them to poke holes in the plan. And so they're grabbing hold of something that that they feel like they've had a hand in. So when we carry it through to fruition and they're doing something that that matters and they do something that they see that's impacting our ultimate uh, customer, which is patience, then it brings them all the way back around to to doing the things that they love to do. So true. That you know that's a really good segue into what we're trying to do with this podcast. And you know, trying to take a look at, you know, 
you, the listener, how are you engaging with us? What do you, what do you like? What do you not like? So one of the things that we talked about on the last podcast, I'll mention again, is we're in the, the middle of rebranding this thing. And so you're going to hear a lot about bobblehead podcasts, bobblehead media. Um, we're going to do some things here that are a little bit more fun, more, uh, more engaging. One of the things that we feel like we haven't done a very good job at all of is really asking you, the listener, what you want to talk about. What is it you want to hear? What is it? You, how is it you want to engage with us? What questions do you have? And so, uh, keep listening. We're going to have more of that available. Hopefully by the end of the next podcast, we'll have some places you can go that you can give us that feedback. So what's one of the things that we're in the middle of changing, um, based on, uh, what we want to do better. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll refine it and we'll get better as we go. That's the plan. Yes, sir. Davin, good stuff today. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're doing that stuff. Cause I don't like doing those things. I'm not on the execution side. So thank you. See, I tied the, the second podcast to the first one. I did. That was impressive. It's just, uh, just sheer brilliance. <laughs> just pure brilliance. <laughs> I don't know what else I can talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody. Once again, thanks for listening. And, uh, we look forward to uh, your future engagement. Yes, sir.